Hey, welcome to the Fit Life Formula Podcast. This is episode 26. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Brian Sippitz. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. The Fit Life Formula Podcast is a show for the members of Advantage Strength and anybody else who's willing and uh, able and looking to live a, a happier, healthier, more active, involved life well into their later years, or as long as they really want to. Um, and so each week we're gonna be tackling topics. Some of it's training related, sometimes nutrition, sometimes mindset, but all different topics that are gonna help you live the most vibrant, energetic life that you can live. And this week uh, we've got a very special guest and it's somebody that I've teamed up with in the past and I can't believe it's taken this long to have Lisa on the show. But we're, we're today we're gonna be talking with Lisa Baker, who is a full-time health coach and nonprofit consultant. Um, she's a published author, a blogger, and in her words, a woefully underpaid chief operating officer of a busy family of four spread across the globe. Um, she brings her passion and knowledge really to help you live your best life, no matter how crazy it is. Um, she received her health coaching and training from the Institute for, Institute for Integrative Health and has a degree in culinary arts from the Cooking and Hospitality Institute in Chicago. In her previous life, before uh, kids, she was the owner and executive chef of a catering and private chef company in Chicago. She's taught meal planning, cooking, and nutrition to all ages, including the uh, folks here at Advantage Strength. She lives in a half-empty nest in Ann Arbor and is passionate about health and happiness, education and empowerment, and soul food, which we will talk about today. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We always have, I don't know, I feel like just, just the quick backstory with us here so that people know, we, I guess the way we started or the way I got to know you was um, we were running a contest here in the gym and you reached out to me and said, hey, I have this new book and maybe it would be a good, it would be a good uh, prize for one of your winners. And so I said, well, that sounds interesting. Can I see the book? And you sent me a copy. And I was immediately just floored by, I, I'm not sure if it's the design of the book, the images in the book. I'm a big fan of picture books, you know? <laughs> so images were beautiful. Um, but really it was the simplicity of the book and the practicality of the book uh, that struck me. And to me, I was like, A, yes, this is a fantastic gift. And B, how can we get more of these to introduce our members to this and see what can we partner up to do in the future? Um, and so from there, we, we sort of planned our first Flip Your Kitchen event, which we did at Night's Kitchen, um, basically a night of, I don't know, it was, it was food prep, it was meal planning, it was a little bit of everything. Talk a little bit uh, about the first uh, Flip Your Kitchen event that we did together, Lisa. Sure. And I just have to say thank you very much first, because you actually said exactly what I was trying to do with my book, which was to have something that could sit on your coffee table, but preferably was not going to sit on your coffee table, but would be super, super helpful and practical. So thank you for getting that from it yeah, you nailed immediately. It. You nailed it. <laughs> yes. And it actually leads into a conversation we're probably going to have later about soul food because this book is, is 100% local. So, uh, so the first event we did was uh, at Night's Kitchen and we did a little bit of meal prep. We talked a lot about sort of the principles behind uh, meal prep and we got some hands-on experience uh, making a few things that could then 
become other things. And that's really the principle of what I call flip your kitchen, which is the goal is to never ever cook for just one meal at a time. And I think that's so valuable to it today because you wouldn't believe, well, you would believe. <laughs> I would believe. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and everyone can relate to this. It's uh, Wednesday night and you, you've just gotten uh, done running kids around to practices. Maybe you uh, snuck a workout in for yourself, which is great. Um, and then you're headed home and you realize, or, or maybe you realized a half hour earlier that you don't know what you're going to have. You don't know what you're going to set on the table. You don't know if, if you have a full meal prepped. You, you're not quite sure if, if you have the ingredients for what you need. You don't know how long it's going to take. <laughs> and you know that you know, you'll have hungry kids at home or a hungry spouse or whatever. And so it's becoming more and more important to be able to cook this way, to be able to have homemade food, things that you can control the ingredients in, in like within reach, within grasp, because I think where people get in trouble is a lot of pre-made stuff or a lot of, I don't know, handy options are not necessarily the most healthful options. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about you know, how we can stay, how we can stay um, prepared throughout the week. You know, I think um, usually people will have time on the weekends or maybe you have the odd Monday off or whatever it is. But let's talk a little bit about, I, I would call it food prep, but I think that sounds a little too like clinical and boring, but it's really having, having options on the table at all times. So let's start with you know, talking about Flip Your Kitchen, what the premise is behind that and how it looks and how it, how it looks in real life. Sure. And I actually wanted to give, give your listeners a couple sort of what I call the scary statistics, <laughs> which are that in, in 1900, 2% of the meals, 2% uh, of meals were eaten outside of the home. And in 2010, 50% were eaten outside the home. Wow. And also in 2010, uh, more meals were eaten in the minivan than in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And one in five breakfasts came from McDonald's. Now, wow. you may be shaking your head and thinking, oh, hell no, that's just made up. But um, from personal experience, when we lived in LA, I would see my kids' classmates coming to school with a little breakfast bag from a fast food joint. And shockingly, at lunch, mom would show up with another bag from a fast food place wow. uh, rather than having their kids eat at school, which yes, probably doesn't taste very good, but you know, and again, uh, nutritionally speaking, like debatable, which one is better for you. Right. Um, the other thing that's pretty striking is that in 2015, uh, we had sort of a watershed moment in, in food in America because that's when um, the government was tracking, has been tracking all this time, our uh, consumption of food prepped outside the home and ingredients bought in, to cook inside the home. And in March 2015, the scale tipped towards food prepped outside the home. Now, that includes everything. So restaurant meals, uh, fast food. It also includes, you know, things like the hot bars. Here in Ann Arbor, we have these really quite good options for hot food taken out. But just that statistic is pretty shocking that in 2015, we spent more money on food that was already prepared for us than we spent on ingredients that we cooked at home. So I think that's really indicative of exactly what you were talking about, which is we are on the go all the time. And the part that you left out of your story, Brian, is that 
the kids get into the minivan after working out, after their after-school event, and the very first question is, what's for dinner? Right. <laughs> and mom just wants to like slam on the brakes and kick the kids out. <laughs> You're done. So I really came to writing this book uh, because I felt like this is, cooking at home is something that's slipping away from people and there are all kinds of barriers to it in our minds that don't necessarily have to be there. Um, and that's really what Flip Your Kitchen is supposed to be. I really took a very high French cuisine curriculum from culinary school and I won't say dumb it down, but I, I repackaged it for the home cook. So uh, you learn some really interesting tips and tricks in there that you don't learn from most recipes. And I want to talk really quickly about <laughs> food shows, uh, cooking shows and uh, Pinterest uh, and Instagram because I think that those three things are wonderful in their own right. And I think they've done a huge disservice to us because Michael Pollan writes about this and he says, you know, cooking shows have made us into a nation that loves to watch cooking, but doesn't step foot in our own kitchen. Mm. And I think it's partly because those cooking shows make you think that, you know, everything has to be beautiful and you go on Pinterest and Instagram and you see these beautiful meals and you think this is what I need to be turning out every night for my family. Oh no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see clients making, which is, you know, I go on Pinterest and I find a recipe and then I realize I have to go to the grocery store because I don't have all the ingredients. And that is just overwhelming because you don't have time to go to the grocery store. So as you were saying, the, the principle behind it is let's get your pantry stocked so that when you look at what is in your kitchen, you can think, oh, here's what I can make very quickly from what I already have. And I think the, uh, the big barriers that always come up are time, skills, and money. Uh, and as to the first one, uh, time, we actually have a lot of time. Time is kind of all we have. And uh, if you really doubt that, I highly recommend a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's really a good thing to take a look at, you know, how much time are you spending watching cooking shows? How much time are you spending scrolling through social media? How much time are you looking at recipes rather than getting into the kitchen and making something super simple? Um, skills, I think our, our current generation is really the one where people stopped learning how to cook. Uh, mom didn't take us into the kitchen and teach us how to cook. And I'm a little unusual in that way because I grew up in a family where Mom was not from America and eating out was just not a thing on her radar. Mm. So I, I was lucky enough to learn to cook at home and then I went to culinary school and sort of took it to the next level. Um, and money, yeah, the third barrier really is you'll, you'd be shocked how much you can save if you start cooking at home more often. So those are, those are, the, those are my answers to those barriers. And uh, Flip Your Kitchen really is a way to get people back into the kitchen cooking from scratch on a regular basis. And I guess if you wanted me to boil it down to what, what are the steps of meal prep, um, I would say first and foremost, pre-prep. Like you said, if you have an hour on the weekend or if you have 15, 20 minutes sometime during the day where you're between, between chauffeur runs, uh, there's certainly something that you can do to prepare for a meal that you could finish later. Um, the second one is what I call batch cooking. And a lot of people think that means, oh, I'm going to make a vat of chili and then eat it for, you know, the whole week. And 
no, let's be honest. You're not. You're going to eat mm-hmm. it for two days max, and then you're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to get takeout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with making big batches of chili, but just remember to freeze half of it so that when you have a day where you know you're not going to have time to cook, oh, look, all I need to do is defrost this chili. Um, the third one really is to do what I call intentional leftovers. You're creating intentional leftovers. And this is really, um, I think, the, the most important skill that you learn in my meal planning system, which is whenever you're cooking, think about what could I do if I made more of this? So when you think about like roasting a chicken, if you eat chicken and you're roasting one, your oven's pretty big and you could probably fit two. And then you have chicken that you can use during the week for something else, chicken salad, enchiladas, tortillas, you know, whatever you want to make, um, you already have cooked chicken. Um, and it didn't take you any longer to cook that because it takes the same amount of time to cook two as it does to cook one. And the final one is really get to know your freezer. Uh, learn what you can freeze and what you can't freeze. And that way, when you do have time to prep, you can toss half of what you made in the freezer and it'll be a great meal or part of a meal later. So... I'm not sure where to start with all this. I mean, <laughs> so like, much to unpack. <laughs> but seriously, honestly, those four those four tips are so simple. And so here's the thing: I do the I do the cooking in our house. I love to cook, and I've come to the conclusion that I cook because I I love to cook for my family, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's my why. I know that if my family is not there, I don't put the same effort into. You know, if I'm home alone and, you know, I don't know, somebody's mm. on a work trip or whatever, I don't put the same effort into cooking for myself that I do for, for family and friends and that kind of stuff. But so I guess that's part of my why, which I think is important to know too. And I'd like to maybe dig into that a little bit in a few minutes. But um, those four things are so extraordinarily simple and hard to do at the same time. Yeah. And, and it really, I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head because when people hear meal plan, um, they think, oh my God, I'm going to have to sit down and fill in a grid and, you know, figure out all the recipes and come up with a meal plan. And my, my point is always, no, you really don't, um, start by just connecting two meals. So like I suggested, you know, if you're going to roast a chicken, roast two, and then you'll have some chicken that's already cooked that you can put in something else. That right there is meal planning to me, rather than that whole complicated grid that you fill in and figure out. And, um, you know, you start connecting two meals and then maybe three and then maybe four. (laughs) And it just, it's something that builds on itself. Uh, and, And really the cardinal rule is always be thinking, if I'm making this, what can I make if I have leftovers? Mm. And I don't know in your house how it works, but in my house, my kids do not like leftovers. Mm. Please don't make something and then heat up the identical thing for dinner the next night. Oh no, Mm. we're not eating that. (laughs) But, you know, if I make rice one night and then the second night I put it in a casserole, they don't know that I didn't make that rice from scratch that night. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're, you know, you're automatically ready. It's one less thing you have to to create, you know, yeah. the, the creative pressure is off. You know, sometimes it's, you think you have to be super uh, creative with things, but really if you get a certain set of skills, if you get, you know, the, the basic skills, you're in pretty good shape. And, and I think, you know, anyone listening, I think it's easy to say, well, like, of, of course you can do that. You went to culinary school, <laughs> you know, no. you wrote a cookbook. <laughs> And well, let's put it this way. My daughter spent her first summer away from home as a 
quasi adult. And uh, she meal planned and cooked for herself the entire summer uh, at her college apartment. And uh, it was just so great because, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, so it does work. <laughs> yeah. So she really, you know, she, she took the book with her. She did a couple recipes. She figured out how they were related to each other and she started making them on a regular basis. So that's another thing is that we don't have to eat something different every single night. You don't have to heat up leftovers. But like I said, once you have a meal that's related to another one, you're already partway through that recipe. I think when we focus on recipes that look amazing and exciting, um, keep them for the weekend because I still love to cook something fancy, but I do not do it during the week. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really easy uh, to think about cooking something like macaroni and cheese. You think, oh, I'll just get a box. Well, if you've made you know, a white sauce and you have some cooked pasta and you have some cheese, you put those three things together and you have homemade macaroni and cheese that is infinitely better for you. And mm. you get to choose like, oh, I could use gluten-free pasta or I could use uh, an alternative milk. I could use a different kind of cheese. So it gives you a little, a little variety and none of those things are difficult to make in themselves. So if you think about learning the basics, to me that means you learn how to cook vegetables, you learn how to cook grains, you learn how to cook beans. Um, and, and right there, you have a lot of things that you can start making. And uh, here's something that I've, I, I, as soon as you mentioned it, I, I wanted, as soon as you mentioned like the Pinterest thing and the cooking shows and all that, keep in mind, I, I've been wanting to mention this, keep in mind that food, each food has a taste in and of itself. It's nice to be able to add herbs and, and spices or whatever mm -hmm. to a certain dish, but keep in mind that if you don't have an ingredient, like it's usually okay. You yes. know, unless, especially if we're not talking about baking where you need all those things, that's more science than, than yes. anything else. Yeah. I love the way you said that. I mean, baking really is science and cooking is much more art in my mind. Um, and because of that, you can be a little more ambiguous. Uh, my daughter started out as a baker because she hates ambiguity. It's like, don't tell me a pinch. Tell me how many teaspoons. Yeah. Right. Um, but really, when you start cooking, you realize, oh, I can change this recipe a little bit. And if you just stop for a minute and think, well, I don't have a zucchini, but I have a yellow squash. They're pretty similar. You could probably substitute them without a problem. I would not say, you know, you have a tomato and a potato. They're not related enough to be able to do that. Mm. Like, you need to sort of think about like, do they look the same? Are they as dense as, as each other? Um, would they cook in the same amount of time? But if you learn how to cook the very basic things, you suddenly realize that, that there are a lot of things that you can substitute and or omit. I think uh, one of the things I loved most about our collaborating for the Flip Your Kitchen events was uh, the handout that you shared. So perhaps you can put this in the notes too, the, um, the flavor profiles. Um, uh, oh yeah. From Precision Nutrition. Yep. yep. Uh, they talk about, you know, if you want something to have a Mexican flair, add these spices and herbs. If you want it to taste Greek, here's a list of really common things. And you've really hit on something that people are very uncomfortable with, which is if I were to make a dish completely without a recipe, I don't know how to make it taste good. But when you learn, oh, this, you know, this bunch of spices is Mexican, this bunch of spices tastes Italian. You can take any dish and give it a different sort of twist. Yeah, and that's, <clears throat> again, it's just learning to cook without the cookbook that I think liberates people from, and kind of gives, number one, it gives permission a little bit, and number two, 
it just gives a little bit more freedom to yeah. make just food, you know? Yes, just Sometimes food. you can just... Real food from real yeah. ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, my husband was always laughing at me because he's like, you're writing a cookbook that is supposed to help people not need recipes. It's like, that's kind of a marketing problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. He picked up on that really quickly. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So this conversation for me, I'm super excited about this. Like, I feel like we could go on for hours and I, to be fully honest, I could, we could go down seven different paths right so now, many paths. <laughs> but, um, we're just going to try to keep it down the middle at this point. Uh, and so for me, this is this is an easy conversation to have. I'm I love food. I love cooking. I'm passionate about like good quality food, which is something we talk about here a lot. It's less about the macros, less about how much fat, protein, carbohydrate are you eating, and more about what's the quality of your food. What's the yes. nu- nutritional density of your food? What is the you know are you putting are you putting some effort into your food and all of that kind of comes together so and it's easy for you to do that too because you you obviously have a a passion about food in your in your background in your daily life what is it that is missing and and there's there's people who just say i don't like to cook what Mm -hmm. what's missing and how do we get it yeah what's missing and how do we get it i love that you brought up nutritional density nutrient density because that's a concept that if we could wrap our heads around that, we would be halfway home. <laughs> um, and one really simple way to visualize that is uh, when I think about uh, a head of broccoli and a loaf of Wonder Bread. And what I love to tell people is if you were to take your hands on either side of that object and squish it, what would you end up with? And think about the head of broccoli. It would be a little bit springy, but you wouldn't get very far squishing it. The really soft processed bread, you could technically end up with something as small as a walnut. (laughs) And what I like to tell people is what you see when you're done squeezing is about how much nutrition, good nutrition you're getting from that food. Mm. So uh, just, uh, you know, if you're thinking, is this really good for me? Think about the broccoli versus the bread. And I think you'll find that the most highly processed foods are the ones that really uh, condense and you're not getting a whole lot of nutrition per calorie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas with broccoli, you could eat that whole head of broccoli. I mean, even I wouldn't do that, but (laughs) you could eat the whole head of broccoli and you would get a whole lot of nutrition out of it. Uh, So I think what's missing really is this idea that uh, we need to start with real food. Uh, food as close to nature as you can find it. So an actual apple as opposed to an apple flavored hard candy. (laughs) That's another great example to keep in mind. It's all a spectrum. And no matter where you are, if you can take one small step towards the whole food side of the spectrum, you're already doing your body a favor. So when you think about, you know, apple, the only thing I eat apple flavored is, is hard candy. If you could eat a sweetened applesauce, right there, you're already getting more nutrition. And if you can next switch to an unsweetened applesauce, then you're taking one more step. So just constantly thinking, how do I get one step closer to nature, where the food came from, no matter what you eat, whether you eat meat or not, whether you eat, you know, fruit or not. But the one thing I really want to see people doing is eating more vegetables. I'm just a huge vegetable fan. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And I, 
these aren't things that people haven't heard. Like no one's, no one listening is going to be like, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. Like, I, know, I should just right? eat more vegetables. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Um, well, we, we teach a lot of the same things here. And so I'm precision nutrition certified mm -hmm. as a, as a level one coach. And um, the number one thing is, is just taking a step. What, what yes. one thing are you ready to, to swap or yeah. improve or, you know, just, just one little thing. And it's, it doesn't have to be, you don't change overnight. You, you just maybe substitute one simple thing for another. That's, that's going to be a little bit more healthful. Yeah. It's, and I it's think all about the single steps. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all about baby steps and, and done right. It will take you a very long time, but it will feel relatively painless. Um, I think that it's it's really important to remember that we didn't get this unhealthy overnight. Mm. So let's not expect that it's going to change overnight either. And it'll be a, a lot less painful <laughs> if we do it in stages. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's dieting or, you know, if you call it dieting, mm -hmm. I think it's a lot easier to call it like a lifestyle change. Yeah. But um just working your way there and, and not doing something where you're feeling deprived or, or mm -hmm. anything like that, you know? Yeah. And I think I just wanted to circle back real quickly to something you were saying about macros and micros. And I, as a health coach, I don't, I don't really deal with those at all unless somebody wants to go there. Uh, but I will say that we've gotten very hung up on eliminating entire groups of nutrition. Uh, we've really, it's, it's gone into what, what Pollen calls nutritionism, where we're more concerned about what it, the food is made up of in terms of proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, rather than thinking about, you know, this is a whole food and everything that you need is in it in the right proportions. Mm. Uh, so when you think about, um, you know, should I be eating carbohydrates? Should I be eating more fat or less fat? Really, the thing to think about is, how about those micronutrients? <laughs> because you cannot process, your body cannot do what it needs to do with proteins, fats, and carbohydrates unless you're giving it minerals and vitamins and water and fiber. And those are the things that we've really lost track of, except when we think, oh, I'll just take a supplement. And um, you, I have a there's evidence that supplements actually are not as easily absorbed by the body as as these same things from whole foods. True. And when you, you're the sum of the parts is not as great as the whole, right? So when you're yes. supplementing, it's, it's not the same. It's mm -hmm. maybe you, maybe you top off a bucket that isn't full, but yep. um, overall it's just not as effective. Right. I've been using a, a really good, I think visual just to kind of partner up with what you were just saying. I've been using a really good visual and it works with the kids. So I've been doing this nutrition presentation for young athletes, which is like, you really have to step back and think like, okay, yes. what is going to be, I can deliver whatever I want, but what's going to be heard or what's going to be absorbed um, and make a difference. And the visual that I've been using that kids tend to latch onto is, uh, you know, I have this PowerPoint presentation and I put up a slide of this like sweet looking Bugatti, right? Like a, <laughs> like a $3 million to $5 million car. Um, and I'll say, okay, so, you know, the food you eat is, you know, you could, you could see it as fuel. If you see food as fuel, 
you know, you've, you obviously have, you have to put gas in the car, right? So if that's the way you think of it, that's kind of all you get out of it. But when you think of a car, you need to do other things to a car also. You need to change the oil, which in a Bugatti, fun fact, is about 20 grand to change the oil. Oh. Uh, just a fun fact. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But um, you have to change the oil. You have to put in windshield wiper fluid. You have to change the tires. You have to fill the tires with air. You have to clean the filters. You have to, all these things. So there's tons of stuff that needs to be done. There's, there's a lot of maintenance that needs to be done. So if you're eating, like if your after school snack is goldfish, um, crackers and, you know, whatever processed cheese, you're putting fuel in the, in the tank, but eventually things are going to start to break down. Um, and so if we can just keep that in mind that, that the food that you eat is like taking care of the whole vehicle versus, you know, just adding fuel, right? I, I think you lose the, you lose the, I don't know, the, the passion in food, if you're just thinking of it as let's get this fuel in you. Yeah. Um, but oh, I love that image. I think I'm going to have to steal that. <laughs> feel free. Feel free to, yeah, Trademark. steal away. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, you lose a lot of the, you lose the emotion in cooking and, and eating with your family, you know, and, and all of that. So I think it's, it's been a really good visual for kids, especially to latch on to. Um, and so, I don't know. I think it's, that brings us around to, to the soul food too. And, and just mm -hmm. learning like cooking is caring, I think, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and, uh, brings us back to kind of this idea of soul food. Talk a little bit about that and, and how that works into the whole, uh, flip your kitchen process. Sure. And I love that you touched on eating as a family because that is a super, super important, uh, thing that is disappearing. That activity is really disappearing. You know, we might be eating in the minivan, but we're definitely not gathering around the kitchen table as much as we used to. And I get it. It's, it's busy. Um, like I feel like my bio says, my family is actually spread around the globe right now. I have a daughter in college. My husband has a job in Hong Kong. I'm here with my son. And so do we get together for dinner every night? No. And still, we try to do it as much as we can uh, because it really has been shown to be extremely effective in sort of keeping kids on the straight and narrow, um, not only giving them better nutrition, but also social connection, which is something that is really, really lacking in our lives right now. So, you know, the idea that community starts at home and if you can sit across from somebody and have a conversation about something, it's very different than sitting across from somebody and texting or watching television while you eat. So I'm a big, big proponent of the family table. And for me, um, I probably sound like a total nut job, but, you know, cooking for me is, is my spiritual practice in some ways. Um, and it really is a way that I, it's self-care sort of the highest level of self-care and care for others, I think, comes from when we cook with our own hands and feed other people. And that's where the idea of soul food came in. And the, the acronym is actually S-O-L-E. It's seasonal, organic, local, and ethical. And this may be very next level for a lot of people. I think if, if you get anything out of this conversation, it's I really hope that you take every step you Every choice you have, you take one step closer to eating whole foods. That's really, you know, if you get, a, if you come away with that, that's the best thing <laughs> you can, you can think about that 
hard candy versus a whole apple analogy if you want to, but every choice you have about food, if you can step one step closer to the net, the nature side of that spectrum, that, that is really my goal. Soul food is sort of the next level. Once you've started eating whole foods and I totally get that this comes from a, a place of privilege that, you know, we live in Ann Arbor. We have tons of farmers in the area who are organic and practice all kinds of sustainable things, <laughs> sustainable ways of raising food, um, not available to everyone everywhere. And at the same time, it's something that you can start thinking about. If, you're, if you've started eating whole foods, the next thing to do is to think about, am I eating seasonally? And uh, seasonal and local really go hand in hand, because if you are eating locally, you are by default eating seasonally. So if you get something like a CSA box in the Ann Arbor area, you'll notice that oh, it's very different in August than it is in October or November. Um, so my, my pitch for seasonal foods is that as a family, it took us about 10, 12 years, but we converted to eating almost exclusively seasonal food. And our immune systems just shot through the roof. We, you know, we don't get flu shots, and yet my kids almost never get the flu. When they get the flu, it's 24, 48 hours rather than seven days recovery time. And so my husband and I really noticed that in ourselves, too, that the more seasonally we eat, the less we get sick. And uh, there's also some evidence that shows if you eat seasonally, you will have a lot fewer problems with allergies because you are taking in all of those pollens and things that are local to you and you're building a resistance to them. So that's my push for seasonal. <laughs> organic, um, big discussion about organic. Is it really nutritionally better for you? There's there are reports on both sides and you really have to look at who's sponsoring the report uh, mm -hmm. and the research. But my feeling is that organic is definitely better for the environment. And that's something else that we want to take into consideration. Local, I think about eating local food, not just because I'm getting it seasonally, but I'm also supporting local farmers, local economies. And the final one is really sort of a stumbling block for a lot of people, which is ethical. So seasonal, organic, local, and ethical. And ethical really takes us into sort of the, the hippie woo-woo part of this conversation. I like to think about, you know, who, who has touched my food on its way to my plate? And ask yourself the question, did the people who touched my food on its way to me all have the same privilege that I do? Are they getting paid a fair wage? Are they able to feed their own families? Uh, because when I think about, you know, that whole discussion about tomato pickers getting paid one penny more per pound of tomatoes that they picked, like really, do you want someone who is disgruntled picking your food and putting their energy into it? Um, so that's where the hippie woo-woo part comes in. This is where my kids start rolling their eyes. <laughs> like, mm. really, mom? But, uh, you know, thinking about who has touched my food and what is their intention toward it? Is it what they do because it helps them to feed their families or is it something that they're doing sort of in slave slave labor conditions because they have no other choice so those are my my four principles about food if you're ready to go next level that's really where you need to go <laughs> yeah and i mean it occurs to me that uh, we we just talked about taking one step you know this the simplest step or the the, yeah. the largest step you can you can sustainably take right 
Mm-hmm. And then that is, you know, soul food is basically the the top of the food chain and they're the top yeah. of the list in terms of, you know, if you can get there, mm-hmm. that's a, a noble place to be. But starting with yes. starting with one thing that you can change is is so important. And mm-hmm. um boy, I don't I, it's time to wrap up, but I don't I think. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. We'll ha- we'll have to maybe pick we'll uh, one continue. of these things. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe pick one of these things uh, in the future and and go a little bit deeper down a rabbit hole. Sure. But let's let's end with this. We're gonna end with two things. Number one, um, I want you to end end with how we can get in touch with you, how we can get a copy of Flip Your Kitchen, um, and see all the other cool things that you're doing. And right now, right before that, I'd like you to just say, like, let us in on what is, what is step one? Okay. Let's say that you're one of those people and you're listening and you're like, boy, I don't, I just don't have that many cooking skills or I Mm -hmm. I can make like two things. Mm -hmm. What is the next step? How do we get, how do we level up on this? How do you level up? Um, I would say the the very, very first step is to take a look at what you are eating now and figuring out is there one part of what you eat during the week that you could make yourself. Uh, It could be something as simple as um, a salad dressing. And, you know, salad dressings are sort of one of the worst offenders on the uh, processed food scale because if if you look at what's in the salad dressing, you won't, um, you won't know 95% of those ingredients. So I would say find a recipe for a very simple vinaigrette or uh, ranch that doesn't have a lot of extra ingredients that you don't recognize. Just find one recipe and try it out and then uh, see how that goes. And next week, try adding one more thing. And the following week, maybe try cooking some grain from scratch, something like that. Just keep it so basic and so simple that first of all, you're not going to spend a lot of money in case it's a huge disaster. <laughs> and secondly, that, you know, you try it, it works great. Let's, let's add that into the mix. You don't have to spend a lot of money or time or have a lot of skills to try just one thing. Can I interject something here? I Absolutely. know you're, you're going to uh, let us know about the book and everything, but it's okay to fail at that. I'm just I'm picturing myself. I'm picturing <laughs> myself in my own kitchen, and there are some things that that are like complete and utter failures. And you can know, you'll know as soon as the the kids <laughs> have it. You know, so my kids don't like everything that I make, but they know the deal is when Dad's cooking, it's going to be you know like real food, and yeah. yeah, I know we need this and all that. So they again, I get that same eye roll, but not everything has to be knocked out of the park. Like if you have a really simple like wild rice and you throw some mushrooms in there. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be this elaborate thing and it not everything has to taste like Doritos. You know, yes. that, that's another <laughs> thing is that things are so overly flavored that people lose the the fact that food has a taste in in and of itself and sometimes eating the simplest food is the most rewarding because it's yeah. it's just simple. You're you're yeah. eating a good quality ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway. and it really comes down to sort of retraining your palate. If you eat a lot of processed food, you are going to think, oh, this has no flavor. Well, you know what? Add some. Add salt if you need to. Add some sugar. Add some spices. Herbs. And then every time you make it, back it down a little bit. Right. Sorry, I just wanted to interject that there. And uh, 
make sure that I got that across. And not everything has to be yeah, great. Not but, everything's going to be a, a wonderful success. And but that's if you're, okay. But if you're putting the emphasis on, you know, getting great nutrition and, you know, a lot of times kids don't necessarily care about that. But if you set the standard in your house that you're going to, you're going to help them be the healthiest they can be, then, um, you get forgiven a little bit more for food that doesn't <laughs> taste exactly like pizza. Definitely have that conversation. Have it a lot. Yeah. Talk about why we're doing this. Uh, good for our bodies. Good for our local farmers. Good for the environment. You know, whatever. Each each child will sort of resonate with something different. Awesome. So tell us about um, where we can find you, where we can hear more from you, and where we can find that book. Sure. Uh, the easiest place to find me is at my website, which is simplyhealthcoaching.com. And uh, you can put a hyphen between simply and health, or you can just type it straight in. Uh, so simplyhealthcoaching.com, and they'll get you to the same place. There's a shop there uh, where the book is found, and I have a meal planning course. I have a workbook, uh, lots of stuff that goes along with Flip Your Kitchen. Um, I also do a much more holistic form of coaching. I, I like to joke that, you know, it's the food and it's more than the food because we start out talking about food and then by, you know, by session three, it's all about something else. <laughs> but food is, is really the place to start thinking about getting truly, truly healthy. So simplyhealthcoaching.com. Talk about the brunch really quickly. And I saw that. I saw oh, that you yeah. sent me that email and I just <laughs> sure. I didn't get a chance to reply, but it's something that's going on right now. And so this yes. is something that people can get involved in right now. Yeah. So every month, well, I'm, I'm aiming for about six months out of the year because Ann Arbor basically shuts down in the summer and then we have holidays to deal with and stuff like that. But uh, very similar to what you and I collaborated on, Brian, um, it's uh, let's get together. Let's make a mindful meal together. Let's talk about the ingredients we're using as we're cooking. And then let's sit down, enjoy a meal together and talk about health coaching topics. So take it a little bit beyond talking just about food to talk about what else in our lives is nourishing us or not. And those are happening once a month. You can find that on my website, simplyhealthcoaching.com slash events. And I just had the last one, so I haven't updated to the next one, but um, the next one will be November 17th of this year. And you can um, find out how to make Thanksgiving dinner without too much stress. Ugh, fantastic. Ugh. Come to fantastic. that one. <laughs> Yeah, and this is a this is an easy way to dip your toe in. I mean, it sounds like a, a big investment, but in time, but it really is. Um, it's a simple one step. You will carry so much away from this um, session that this could be the thing that that sparks it. That sparks it yes. for you. So, <laughs> join us, Lisa. Thank you so much for thank joining you, us. This was awesome, and uh, we'll have to have you back, and we'll we'll deep dive on something. But uh, this sure. was a great overview, and thank you so much for Flip Your Kitchen. I know it's been a major influence in in what I do, Yay. and uh, has helped out so many people here at Advantage. So, thank you thank again, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. If you're uh, just wrapping up with us today, make sure you're living the Fit Life formula. That's three days a week of something that you love to do, two days a week of strength training, and one workout that just sucks. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.